it's cool here if you don't know and it is time for another episode of square wave symphony except that this is not going to be any regular episode of square wave symphony we're going to be testing some things out um this one is not going on the radio it is going to be uh completely in uh completely in pot eh, completely in podcast form uh so yeah it's going to be a couple of experiments going on. First of all, um, I am trying out Reaper, uh, which is a DAW that was suggested to me by uh, one of the guys at uh, DOS Game Club, in particular uh, Florian. Uh, you may remember them from uh, a, a couple of episodes ago now. I don't remember exactly. Time is weird. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of the experiments that I'm going to be doing in this episode, and the other one is also uh, using a bot named Craig for um, audio recording, which means I'm going to have some guests in this episode. Um, you will find out who they are after the uh, couple of music tracks that we're going to be playing um, after this intro. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be a bit of a weird episode. We're only going to be doing news of the weird. Uh, there's no archives, there's no low-biased gaming, there's no other things. It's just going to be uh, a test with news of the weird and a couple of tunes and the intro and outro. That's what we're doing. Anyway, let's get to it here on Square Wave Symphony. Thank you. 
August Melancholy by Pator, and here comes C64 Loader by Saibash here on Square Wave Symphony. back to square wave symphony test episode um yes 
So we're going to be doing the news of the weird, as we usually do a lot earlier in the episode than usual, but um, this is how we're doing it. And in testing various things, I'm also testing recording with uh, other people, and I actually have two people in the, the uh, this episode with me. Hey, it's Zero. And this is J-Pop. Yes, they have both been on the show before, but never at the same time. Um, how is this going to go with everyone at once? I have no idea. It's a test episode, so we're going to find out. Together. It's going to yes. be brilliant. It will be quite the adventure. Uh, so yeah, as usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences. Uh, uh, they are scanned for objectionable content. Uh, take all that as you will. So let's get started with the news. Our lead story for today, cliches come to life. Gabriel and Tracy Braun moved into Gabriel's childhood home in Dover, Foxcroft, Maine in 2012 and enjoyed a warm relationship with next-door neighbor Steve Ritter, whose, gar whose garage had been partially built on the Braun's uh, property decades ago. But after Ritter passed away in 2016, his wife and grown children took over the property, sometimes renting it out, and, quote, This place turned to craziness and chaos, Tracy Braun told the Bangor Daily News on July 16th, leading finally to Gabriel Braun grabbing his sawzall on May 26th and cutting the Ritter's garage in half right down the property line. We're putting up a fence, Tracy Braun said. Fences make good neighbors. Dover Foxtroff Police Chief Ryan Reardon said, We are aware of the situation and believe it's been resolved at this point. Well, I'll, I'll say resolved. You put the fence up. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, put the fence up and grabbed his sawzall. Like, is that some sort of chainsaw or what? That would be awesome. It whips out the chainsaw. Literally cutting the garage in half. That that seems like a that seems like a solution, doesn't it? My question is, why was the garage even built half on the property in the first place? It's nice that the neighbors previously uh, allowed it if there were no problems. But it, I don't even see the purpose. It could have been a mistake, it could have been an agreement. Who knows? Not enough space, and the only way they could make the garage usable, big enough, was to build on the property. Maybe they didn't yeah. originally have one there, and they wanted to build, and like you said, there was just an agreement. Or, you know, they screwed up the plans. It happens all the time. Well, they they certainly screwed up this plan of renting out the other uh, the other house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, Gabriel solved that problem real quick. <laughs> All right, our next story. Latest alarming headlines. A roving gang of baboons in Nosley Safari Park in Merseyside, England, is known to vandalize cars and otherwise alarm visitors. But lately, the Sunday Times reported they've been seen carrying knives, screwdrivers, and a chainsaw, which workers believe they've acquired from visitors. We're not sure if they are being given weapons by some of the guests or if they're fishing them out of pickup trucks and vans, an employee said. Park officials have poo-pooed the reports saying, we believe that many of these stories have grown in exaggeration as they've been retold. 
just these stories of baboon gangs shanking uh, safari park visitors in the parking lot. That's uh, terrifying, honestly. You see a gang of baboons coming at you with knives and chainsaws, apparently? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have, like, bandanas? Do they have, you know, like... Snapping their fingers as they walk down the streets. <laughs> if they had, like, chain links, you know? Oh, <laughs> no. Chain links. This almost seems like the premise for a video game. Yeah, you could totally see this. In <laughs> oh my goodness. That's an amazing story. And, and that's honestly <laughs> terrifying. Yes. We're not sure if they've been given weapons by some of the guests. How the guests get through the metal detectors with some of these weapons, if that's the case. Because uh, that's Safari Park. <laughs> Maybe the baboons Usually. break out. Usually safari parks, though, are just something that you drive through. That is, okay, that is true. I was thinking of a regular zoo park, okay. So like, yeah. they, they park their car, their truck, they're taking pictures, maybe looking at whatever, and then the baboon sneaks up to the truck and says, Ooh, what's this? I've got a knife! <laughs> Crazy. Yes. Uh Hopefully they don't know how to use the, chain the chainsaw, because <laughs> that would be a problem. Let's hope so. Let's hope they don't know it runs out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, let's move on, J-Pop. Predictable. A 64,000 glass replica of a Disney castle on display at Shanghai Museum of Glass in China was shattered in July after two kids hit the exhibit counter when they were chasing each other. A museum spokesperson posted on Weibo? The Today Show reported the Spanish glassblower Miguel Arribas spent 500 hours creating the Fantasy Castle in 2016. But luckily, it's not destroyed, said Arribas. Brothers Company spokesman Rudy Arribas. I apologize. When COVID-19 <laughs> restrictions are lifted, Miguel will go to Shanghai to repair the castle. We're used to kids and this kind of stuff happening, said Rudy. Glass breaks. Yeah, it, it does. It says it was shattered, but it says I guess it wasn't fully destroyed. When I hear the word shattered, I thought the entire thing was gone. Yeah, it's... You, you think shattered is like, what's left? Yeah. Exactly. $64,000 replica. Oh, man. Yeah. And we're, we're used to kids and this kind of stuff happens. I was like, really? It's like, this is $64,000 you're talking about. Yeah. This, this is not like peanuts. That if glass would... needs to be behind another glass, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Some serious glass. But what, but what happens when that glass gets shattered too? Oh no. Well, if, if it's, you know, uh, an inch thick, then usually it's not much of a problem. I man, if I'd hate to be those parents and just be like, "You broke what?" <laughs> there you go. Um, I would like to see what? it. Was that? I would like to see the Disney Glass Castle. Yeah, that that would be an interesting thing to to check out. Maybe. Maybe one of you can go look for a picture while I'm reading the next story about Lost and Found. Actually, there are three stories about Lost and Found, so we're all going to get to read one of them. 
Um, so yeah, sixty-four thousand dollar Disney ca- uh, glass Disney castle. Um, maybe one of you can find that. Um, anyway, let's get started with Lost and Found. Chris Marcus of Hyde Park, Vermont, went skydiving on July 25th, but he told NECN, I think my adrenaline was so high and I was just so excited I didn't realize I had lost it. Uh, it was one of Marcus's two pros- prosthetic legs. The double amputee was harnessed to an instructor and landed safely, but he didn't know where the leg ended up. His plea for help on Facebook was answered the next day by farmer Joe Bojis, uh, Joe Marsalkowski, uh, who found the prosthetic in his soybean field. Marcus said the leg suffered a few scratches but was otherwise unharmed. We kind of take for granted sometimes how many truly good people there still are in the world, he mused. Well, luckily that didn't, uh, that, that had a happy ending. I'd hate to think what would happen if the leg is just falling out of the air and just conks someone right in the head. <laughs> yeah, no that's, kidding. That's probably the most terrifying part yeah. of this. Uh, I'm not sure how expensive a prosthetic leg is as well. I mean, it could be, you know, a financial hit to somebody who needs them. You know, that, it, that yeah. Yeah, no offense, but especially in the States. Yeah, yeah I believe it. <laughs> I don't know, but I believe it. But I guess it must have been uh, pretty durable if it only suffered a few scratches. I mean, you know, you get a cheap one and it might just land and just shatter. But I guess if it landed in a field, it's not landing on, say, concrete for one thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, also the interesting wording in the story, I didn't realize I had lost it. Yeah, it's like it was his mind. <laughs> I lost that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, thank you, J-Pop, for posting that. That is a gorgeous castle. It is. And I found, I found another picture that... It is behind glass uh, in this picture. Now, the it, one it's I'm, it's probably, is, like, but behind glass, but, like, on a desk that just kind of... Yeah, so someone can can if someone bumps into it hard enough, it can still kind of shake and possibly fall apart. Or maybe I if they if they hit the display hard enough and knock over a section of the glass, maybe that's what crashed into the castle and broke part of it, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Something like that maybe. That that is gorgeous though. That is really cool. Amazing part. All right, how about some more Lost and Found? Uh, Zero. Mike Evans of Woodson Terrace, Missouri, went for a five-mile float trip with friends on the Merrimack River on July 25th and decided to get out of the raft and walk behind it in the water for a bit. As the water got deeper, he had to swim to catch the raft, and as he climbed back in, Evans discovered his prosthetic leg was gone. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported. He searched, but he searched with no luck, but a Missouri State Trooper responding to a call nearby heard about the loss and coordinated a dive team to help. It took divers a couple of hours the next day to find the leg, saving Evans about $27,000 to replace it. It was a happy ending to a stressful few days, Evans said. Well, I guess that's the answer to how much that would cost. Or at least, and that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty penny. 
Long, I, lots of prosthetic legs being lost. What is say, this? Is, is the, we don't know yet, but the third story have a, a missing leg too? <laughs> I haven't looked at it, but uh, we'll we'll find out pretty soon. Um, I, I got I got slightly traumatized when they're like, "We'll just walk behind the raft as it goes down." I'm like, "No, it sounds like a bad idea if it gets away from you." Because <laughs> I one time uh, we sort of went rafting. It was just a small section of a river from where we were camping, but like by rafting, we took pool floaties and of, of kind and went down it instead of a real raft um it, it can get very rough it can get very dead treacherous i didn't feel like my life was in danger but it wasn't pleasant as uh low ridge rocks would uh creep up out of nowhere and brush brush from under you and um uh, one of the one of our floaties did get away from us um and it was gone. We never saw it again. So uh, things can change very quickly. It's better a floaty least, than a leg. Yeah, <laughs> yes. $27,000 floaty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those and, don't float. <laughs> and, and if it was, then where are you getting your floaties? Like, what what special features does it have that it costs $27,000? Super future technology. <laughs> anyway, I feel like this can get a uh, bit of uh, rabbit hole effect, so let's just move on to the next story. Okay. After Christian Meyer of Berlin, Germany lost his running shoes to to a thief, he posted a notice on a community sharing platform and learned other residences had also lost shoes that were left outside. Meyer soon discovered the culprit, telling local media on July 26th that he caught a fox, quote, red-handed with a pair of blue flip-flops in his mouth and eventually found a stash of more than 100 multicolored shoes, according to Fox News. Meyer's shoes, however, were not among them. I think I remember seeing this story, actually. Yeah, same here. Either it's this same story or just a similar one. I guess, is it just a thing that foxes like to, to gather certain things like shoes? I mean... Whether it's a wild animal or a person, they're going to have different personalities and different interests, and some some of them are just going to be interested in having a collection of shoes. I mean, I could see, like, uh, domestic animals, you know, being interested in shoes. I don't see any reason why a fox would not be interested, you know, if, if the bright colors grab their attention and they like looking at them and having them. I totally believe it. It's... Well, they're, they're never getting my shoes. I keep mine indoors. And and also, you don't keep yours in Germany. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't do me much good over in Germany. I can't wear them from here. <laughs> Just remotely wearing your shoes. <laughs> I have really long legs. If one day there'll be shoes and you'll access them through a VPN to Germany, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Get some ah, stashed shoes. up now. <laughs> uh, what, what has technology done? We've gone too far. <laughs> some people would say we haven't gone too far enough. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's move on to our next story. The street where you live. That's not creepy at all. Uh... 
Concerned friends of Hartford, Connecticut retiree Victor King contacted police on July 26 when they couldn't reach King, who had recently reported being threatened with a samurai sword by a man he rented a room to, according to an arrest warrant. The Hartford Current reported that first responders arriving at the house on Asylum Avenue found King's body badly slashed and decapitated. Um, police began a search for the renter, Jerry David Thompson, who was soon found and arrested but refused to cooperate with detectives, referring them instead to a paperwork in his car, uh, to paperwork in his car indicating he believes himself to be a sovereign citizen and therefore not subject to the law. He was arraigned on July 28th and held on $2 million bail. Wow. Ooh, that's... That's a serious argument. That that got a little spicier than I was expecting. From 0 to 10 real quick. Uh, yeah. I mean, it went from... Threatening with a samurai sword to uh, the results of it. And yeah. That sword must be legit for it to actually do that. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Also, what's what's with the whole sovereign citizen thing? Like, I do not understand that. You can't just... You can't just start doing whatever the hell you feel like doing and say, I'm a sovereign citizen, I don't count. It's like... Yeah. My, my initial thought might be he could have some kind of mental issue or he's just trying to, you know, BS his way through, get out of being subject to the law, which no, that, that doesn't work like that. Sorry. Yeah, and if you're going to be a, if you're going to declare yourself a sovereign citizen, it's probably a good idea to actually own land, and not, you know, be renting. That's also true. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on to our next story, and I'm I'm going to uh, give away the title for this because I just like to say. <laughs> a Gwinnett County, Georgia uh, sheriff's deputy is recovering at home thanks to three inmates who came to his rescue. The unnamed inmates noticed the deputy didn't seem well as he conducted security checks, the sheriff's office said in a July 28 statement, and then saw him lose consciousness and fall to the floor, splitting his head open. The inmates began shouting and banging on their doors, which roused the deputy enough that he thought an inmate needed help and somehow managed to rise to his feet and press the control panel to open cell doors. The inmates rushed out and called for assistance as the deputy lost consciousness again, the Gwinnett Daily Post reported. These inmates had no obligation whatsoever to render aid to a bleeding, vulnerable deputy, but they didn't hesitate, the sheriff's office said. We're proud of them. See, even people who make bad decisions on occasion can end up being good people who generally make good decisions. This, this, you know, of, this is definitely a, a faith in humanity uh, restored story. And yeah. there, there are people who have make bad decisions. Get, sometimes they're stuck making bad decisions, but it doesn't make them bad people. There are a lot of good people everywhere. And, you know, if somebody, say, was incarcerated for stealing, you know, somebody going unconscious and hitting their head on the floor, I mean, that person could definitely still be like, no, life is precious, you know, we need to save it, you know. 
Yeah, I, I like seeing stores like this, and I don't know if this is the same thing. I've seen some video clips of these kind of things. So, I, I mean, this kind of stuff does happen um, where inmates will do the right thing. In this case, helping, you know, uh, someone who, who goes unconscious. I've seen another one where an inmate starts assaulting one of the, the officers and other inmates jump in and help the officer. They grab the inmate, get him off him, hold him down until, you know, backup arrives. You know, they didn't try to gang up all together. They actually, you know, helped them out. So I, I like seeing stories like this. Yeah. And you know, for inmates and uh, guards or uh, all sorts of workers, you know, they see each other day after day. You know, it's a unique community that they live under. You know, so there, there are some bonds there and looking out for each other that, if done properly, can create a, a healthy environment to where some certain things rise above, you know, oh, I'm a guard, you're a jailer. No, wall human here, you know. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, it, it, it is definitely nice to, to get these... Uh, these lovely stories here um maybe we can end it off with well i don't i don't know what this is going to be uh with this next story but uh j-pop will you do uh, the honors all right inexplicable out for an early morning stroll on july 27th merrill kinney 32 and kevin pinto 30 drew the attention of residents in Hop Hopkinton, Massachusetts, who called police to report a naked couple walking their dog down the street, authorities said. It was kind of wild, police chief Joseph Bennett told the Milford Daily News. They were buck naked. Officers asked the couple why they weren't wearing clothes, but they, but they declined to answer or were incoherent, Bennett said. And there was a short foot pursuit after a struggle, they were captured and charged with indecent exposure and assault and battery on a police officer, along with other crimes. Assault and battery on a police officer for lightly struggling? Well, I guess I, I guess there's not enough context to really know what exactly happened, but still. Why? Uh, what? There, there's so much what in the story. They just <laughs> wanted to be like their dog, naked, no clothes. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing but Mother Nature and us. <laughs> Just want to feel the breeze. I mean, why not? Especially when, especially when it's this warm out. Oh boy. Yeah, it, it is the weather for it, but still, put put some clothes on in public, please. At least the basics. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if I don't know legally if like boxers and like undergarments keep you okay. Um, or if you wear like a bathing suit and go out and do it, I mean, I think it kind of cold. depends on context. Probably. Yeah, I think that would that would be okay. Like it's it's not indecent exposure. You have to just think have the the main stuff covered. Uh, of course, then you get places like uh, in Ontario where it's legal for women to go topless. It's um, legal there. I did apparently so. things like that. Oh, never knew that. I, I don't know if that's still the case, but I do remember seeing that at some point. So, anyway, that that's neither here nor there. 
Um, that that naked is people. <laughs> naked people walking their dog. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a gentle way to end the news of the weird. <laughs> Despite the assault, <laughs> minus the assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually um I know that gets tacked on a lot of times and usually res- uh, maybe resisting uh it I don't know it's it's a it's a very strange world that's completely in flux right now let's just leave it at that uh, I mean they didn't say they were carrying anything so I, yeah. they had nothing <laughs> to hide <laughs> of course they weren't carrying anything they were naked. Buck <laughs> naked. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get to some music, shall we? Here on Square Wave Symphony test episode. Yes, music.
Damn it, the pool's closed by Sloopy Gloop. And here is Pelle qui tient ma vie by Le Tiroir à Chaussette here on Square Wave Symphony. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, thank uh, 
Zero and J-Pop here for hanging out and trying new things that hopefully won't explode in my face. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Alright, and uh, so Zero, where can people find you online? I am on YouTube and Twitch, the real zero. Just replace the E in zero with a three, and you'll find me there. And J Pop. And you can find me on both Twitch and YouTube. The spelling uh, is for it is twitch.tv slash JPOP number four L I F E. On YouTube, I am known as JPOP number four L F. Why gotta be complicated? J-Pop for life, the fool, was taken on YouTube when I tried to get it, and I do not have enough subscribers to change my channel name, so I'm stuck. Why am I? Oh, oh there you go. But, uh, yeah, they, they both do some pretty neat stuff, and uh, I know that Zero, you're doing 30-minute games right now. J-Pop, you have your Go thing as well as... I, I'm not really sure what you're doing right now because I don't have any way of watching. It's... Whatever I feel like, I have gotten off my uh, commitments at the current moment. Well, there you go. So, go check them out. <laughs> so, usually some good stuff going on. Anyway, um, credits. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by myself, Twilight of Defect, and Commissar. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. Catch new episodes two days before they come out in podcast form by checking out its home on the airwaves of CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax and CKDU.ca all over the place. It plays at 5 p.m. Atlantic time on Fridays. This has been Square Wave Symphony. I'm Coolio, if you don't know, along with... I'm Zero. And this is J-Pop. And I'll see you guys next time.